0: On today's episode of Still Processing, Justin and I discussed the recent NBA rule changes for star players resting through games. We discussed Joel Embiid and which Olympic team he may or may not play for, and also what the Sixers have planned for training camp for the upcoming season. All that today on another episode of Still Processing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Still Processing a 76ers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Chavalella, here with, as always, my guy, my co host, Justin Crosby. Justin, how you doing this night?
1: I'm doing all right. Philly just lost, so <laughs> a little down. But
0: another day. It. You know, another day right now. Another day playing in Atlanta. <laughs> another Phillies lost, unfortunately. You know. Uh, Spirits going to be down for a little bit. Going to be a little bit back up tomorrow uh, when the Eagles take the field, though. Uh, at least they they should be, you know. So, uh, go Birds and all that. But uh, we got a little bit of Sixers stuff to talk about, and it's yep. it's not the it's not the juiciest week in in Sixers <laughs> in Sixers drops. Uh, I think it was uh, Kyle Newback who uh, jokingly tweeted out earlier today when the team officially signed Danny Green. He was like, "The Sixers move the." Fans have been waiting for and it's uh it's been slow. It's been slow, you know, waiting for a James Harden trade, trying to figure out, you know, what this team's actually gonna look like. Nick Nurse, of course, saying months ago, it's gonna be a different team. Here we are. It's still the same team, except you yeah. have Danny Green. You know, what is what is this season gonna look like? What's this team gonna look? It's hard not to get frustrated at times, you know. It's uh yeah. and <laughs> And listen, we're we're the still processing pod for 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 good reason. You know, we we talk about that kind of stuff. You know, it's uh, it is a for lack of a better word, a process. You know, we have to constantly process our emotions with regards to this team. Uh, but you know, it's it's just kind of life being the Sixers fan and uh, following this team as of right now, and hopefully it changes soon. But it's not expected to. So for now. We take a look at some news that's going on around the league and how it relates to the Sixers. Yeah. And the first thing today, obviously, the big news uh, for the NBA today is the recent rule changes uh, that are being enacted in regards to players resting stars. So first and foremost, you know, let's let's talk about what a star is because that has it's an overused word, a lot of different connotation to it. So just for some clarity before we kind of dive right on into this is uh, when we're talking about a star, the league is defining this as a player who has been an all-star or a member of an all NBA team in at least one of the past three seasons. So uh, that's obviously guys like Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then it's also guys like James Harden, Ben Simmons. A lot of guys actually qualify for this list. So it's, I think I saw the, the, the full list is like 45 or 48 people, and it's uh, it's lengthy, you know? So uh, it's something that's going to be implemented starting this season. Uh, you know, there are fines that can be put in place uh, against teams, you know, at least $100,000, they're saying. Uh, there's actually like five different rules that come. To this. So, Justin, I'm going to kind of speed through these rules for you, and uh, then we'll kind of just take a look at what our takeaways are from this new agreement so uh, the first is just that no more than one star player is unavailable to rest for the same game uh, or, or rather that no more than one player is uh, able to sit due to rest for the same game uh, they kind of phrase it kind of funny in the article I'm reading here but so the team we think about first and foremost is the LA Clippers we've seen them do that with Kawhi and Paul George a lot uh, it's simple you just can't schedule rest for two guys on the same day right perfect makes sense Uh, The second is that teams must ensure that players are available for national TV and in-season tournament games. I mean, that makes sense from a financial standpoint for the NBA. Uh, You know, when you have teams in the national spotlight, uh, which obviously for the national televised game, that is the case. The in-season tournament is the new brainchild of uh, the, the NBA this year. Of course, they want to see their top stars playing in it. You can't be resting guys in it. Uh, On top of that, teams must maintain a balance between uh, number of one-game absences for a star player for home games and road games. And the preference is that they miss the home games. So if that scale is going to be unbalanced one way or the other, you're missing more home games than you are road games, you figure that's because that player is going to play in that city a lot more than on the road. Uh, Then you go on, teams must refrain from having any long-term shutdown or near shutdown when a player stops participating in games or plays in a materially reduced role in circumstances affecting the integrity of the game. The longest role of the five by far, we'll break that one down a little bit here. Uh, Finally, fifth, uh, and finally, the teams must ensure that a healthy player uh, resting for the game is still present and visible to the fans. Don't want to have a situation where a player is... Uh, a healthy scratch, and they're also nowhere to be found. I, I guess standing on the float and doing the uh, the Miss America wave is, is good enough in this case. So, uh, Justin, looking at these rules uh, that are now in place, what what's your immediate takeaway from them?
1: I mean, you knew it was coming. I think that, I mean, everybody's going to originally blame this on Greg Popovich because the Spurs started doing this in like 2017 or maybe like 2016. Like they've been, you know, resting their stars and on like ABC primetime games and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't want to say it's gotten out of hand, but I mean, I think they've been trying to like lower the amount of games that the players play anyway. So, like, I feel like the the thing for that was to low manage guys. And now that it's affecting the bottom line. Um, TV games, uh, ratings, even fans like, you know, LeBron going to Indiana once a year, like, you know, kids who are LeBron's fans or whoever you want to say fans all over the world, all over the country. So they want to see their star players. So I think uh, this was bound to happen. I'm surprised that uh, some of this stuff got through the NBA players association was agreed upon. But, um, I guess you got to give some, to get some because, what, I guess the new bargaining agreement, you can, like, purchase the team and all the other crap. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like you got to give a little to get a little. So, I, that's probably what the compromise was. But, in the end, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with James Harden right now. But, if James Harden is not a Sixer, this will only really be affecting the bead. And, we're kind of used to Bede's scheduled off days specifically around back-to-backs and three out of four nights or five and seven nights and things like that. So I don't think this will be anything new. I think the Sixers will be strategic. And, again, as Sixers fans or people who – Sixers fans in general or people like us who follow the team and report on the team, I don't think it will be anything different for us. I think they're going to be strategic about it, and he misses home games now. So I feel like it is what it is. But um, around the league, like you said, Clippers – I feel like the Phoenix Suns are a type of team now that will do that. Um, You know, I feel like those type of teams are the teams that this this will really affect. And, of course, you have your – I mean, you don't really see it like with the Boston Celtics or things like that. Normally guys are missing just because they're injured, but um, I think some of the veteran-laden squads will be affected the most. Um, But I think all in all, I mean – They're pushing this cup thing. So, of course, they want the Stars to play because it's important and they wanted to be like the champion. Well, Adam Silver in the NBA wanted to be like the Champions League. um, So they want their Stars to play. So I get that part. Um, But, yeah, I don't think it will really change from a Sixers standpoint. Um, And I think for if James Harden is on the Sixers and he is playing, um, again, I think the Sixers have mostly been strategic about not sitting – and beat or harding with rest like do the rest at the same game there's only a few times that we've seen that um maybe once or twice i feel like i can remember but yeah i don't think it'll change for uh the local teams
0: yeah i there's a lot of different uh potential connotations league-wide but as far as the sixers i i just don't really see how it affects them that much just based on if nothing else, the the biggest question is James Harden actually going to play for Philadelphia. You know, that's something that remains to be seen. Obviously there are the free agency implications. If he decides not to report to the Sixers and not to play, Uh, how exactly they're going to navigate through this mess that they have in part created, you know, we will see it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I can tell you that much, but uh, what, what, i think is really interesting is if the clippers do land james harden uh and then and again as is now very well known that is not going to happen in exchange for paul george so if the clippers land harden they will have harden paul george and Kawhi leonard you wonder how many times they're going to violate this before the season's done i mean you're you're talking about a repeat offender i'm sure so uh, what that really looks like, if you are a repeat offender in this criteria, you know we talked about the fines uh, being upwards of a hundred thousand uh, dollars. There are different tiers, basically, uh, if you are a repeat offender. So, uh, so the first time it's a hundred thousand dollars for a first-time violation. Second time it's a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine, uh, and then a one point two five million dollar fine for a third violation. Uh, and they, here's the crazy thing after that, it's just a million dollars more than your last fine. So you can just go up and up and up, and this is just going to keep climbing for some teams. Uh, so the Clippers are probably going to be in there regardless, but especially if they do land Harden, uh, that's, that's definitely going to be something for them. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these teams adapt to it. This is just one more and a series of moves the league has made to encourage players playing more often. Uh, obviously, we know about the restrictions on players playing games in order to qualify for certain awards: MVP, All NBA Team, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Player. Uh, Got to at least play 65 games, or if not that, 62 games. Suffered a, a season-ending injury. Uh, and played in at least 85 percent of regular season games played by his team prior to the player suffering said injury that comes straight out of the article Bobby Marks of ESPN wrote that really summarizes all of this perfectly I feel like so if you want to dig deeper and read more about this definitely check out Bobby Marks's article because it just, it it's a lot but uh, it's it's something that's going to be a part of the foreseeable future for the NBA and and you're right you know pop I don't want to put it on Pop, but it was the Spurs and and Pop, you know, that really instigated this entire thing, set that snowball to begin with, because they were winning with forty year olds on the roster. Like it, it, it wasn't like it is now, where, where you know now you're resting just about anybody any given night, and 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 Kawhi did rest some nights. So Let's not act like, like uh, he he didn't even in in well Toronto that was a big story as well, obviously when he got traded there. Uh, so it's, it's happened to other guys too. situationally. It started, you know, to keep Duncan, to keep Tony Parker, Ginobili fresh and it's just snowball. But, uh, I, I think the idea of playing players in more games is actually good for the league. Obviously it's good for things like revenue is good for the fans. I think it's good for the players too. Uh, and I, I, I'm probably not remembering correctly who said this. Uh, I want to say it was either Derek Bodner or Kyle Newbeck who brought up the point uh, of playing in more games can potentially keep a player more healthy because you're staying in that basketball shape. And they were speaking specifically of Joel Embiid, where I agree this applies to very much so. But staying in that basketball shape could keep you healthier than taking off these, you know, an excessive amount of load management games, you know. Uh, staying fresh for the playoffs is all well and good. That's not always by not playing in the game, you are not always staying fresh. You know, there are other ways to stay fresh. There are ways to play your game to keep your body healthy come playoff time. And and Joel has has implemented several of those aspects into his game. And that's why he, he falls every five minutes, it feels like, you know, and it's frustrating to watch. But according to him and his camp that is to relieve any potential extra pressure on his feet keep him healthy and it's like that's kind of stuff that you can do while staying in shape so not only are you preventing potentially an injury from being a tad out of shape but on top of that your performance is theoretically even higher because you're in better shape come playoff time so there's not a hundred percent right or wrong way i feel someone can feel on this matter uh, obviously a lot of it is the NBA trying to make sure that they're putting the best product out there every night, which yeah, as a business is their right? Of course um, we're, we're just going to have to see which teams are, are willing to eat those fines and, and which teams aren't, which I think personally is going to be the most fun of all of this. So uh, we're, we're definitely going to see that going on uh, this year and going forward. But when we're talking about players resting the hand in hand conversation, Justin, that kind of always comes up is uh not not even just in the regular season, but when we talk about runs outside of of the NBA, you know, and, and obviously, you know, the FIBA basketball tournament just ended, you know, congratulations to uh Germany for for winning. And I mean the US didn't even medal. Like that is I'd say it's crazy, but if you watched the U.S. team this year, you you would know it's not exactly crazy. Uh, it just wasn't. If
1: you, it, if you if you watch specifically Brandon Ingram, who was terrible. But listen,
0: listen. Okay, so uh, we we can go on and on about this, and, and maybe we will. You know, off the pod, but uh, there there has been or there was, I should say, before we saw more of this uh, Olympic performance uh a, a lot of people making some pretty bold positive takes on Brandon Ingram and i I'll be honest with you like and I respect you know where it's de- you know deserved like solid player you know can, can really stack up you know the whole staff And you know, obviously he's a skilled scorer he's he's an underrated facilitator he's a solid rebounder uh the the big debate was was it him or michael bridges. 10 times out of 10, I'm taking Mike Hill Bridges. Like that's that I'm sorry. Like that's just that's just a fact for me. So uh, that was something that I think we kind of saw is the difference between what a player can do in a loose atmosphere, which is what we've seen with Brandon Ingram in New Orleans, and what a player can do in a winning atmosphere, which is what we've seen historically from Mike Hell in Phoenix. And maybe we'll continue to see in Brooklyn. I mean, we saw him in the playoffs last season, and obviously the Nets were swept in the first round, but uh, that, that is, for whatever reason it is, if it's East, West, you know, whatever the case is, uh, the opportunity to see uh, Michael Bridges show off in that playoff setting definitely added a few more points into that column for that argument, for me, even though uh, I already had him there. But but the point of what we're getting to <laughs> Uh, before we we get off ranking players on the U.S. roster, so people have talked about for for years about, or, or especially in recent years, about whether or not it's worthwhile to to play FIBA basketball, to to play on the Olympic team. Is it an injury risk? Uh, you know what what exactly is the benefit? I mean, you can say national pride, but you know, not everybody's dying to win their their. Uh, country and and when I say their country we've seen obviously through Joel Embiid that it's not necessarily your country of birth you know people play for country of their birth country of descent uh, just having come to the U.S. you become a citizen sometimes and that's just how you know you choose to represent the United States and we'll get on that for Embiid specifically in a second here but uh, Justin what's your take overall on playing in FIBA playing in the Olympics you know Is it, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word a waste of time. And no matter what end you fall on, I don't know that you'd say that either, but is it worthwhile for a player who's looking to seriously compete for an NBA championship?
1: I mean, I do think it's worthwhile. I think it's a good experience. I think as we saw, FIBA is a totally different game. Rules are different. Style of play is different. Physicality is different. Game planning is different. Like it's it's definitely, I think, a good experience. Um, I think it's worthwhile, one, because, I mean, we've seen some of the recruiting happen with other players. Um, like, I think from the 08 team, um, the guys got together in Miami, you know, just, like, building those friendships and those, and those bonds and stuff. So I definitely think it's worth worthwhile. Um, I don't think it's a waste of time. I just think that um, – the commitment I don't think I think some players take the commitment lightly meaning that they may not take their opponents as serious and I think that's when you have less lack lesser performances or like it's hard in the NBA to go from a 1a or a, a or b player on your team or 1a or 1b and go to a sit in the corner or just rebound and play defense like a lot of people have trouble with that. And I think you saw that. So I, I do think it's a good experience because that teaches you how to adapt to your surroundings. Specifically, if you want to be on a really winning team, you're going to have potentially other stars or superstars around you. And you got to like, you know, kind of change your game or or not change a game, but, you know, kind of adapt to your surroundings. So I do definitely think it's a worthwhile experience um, for, for the majority of players who, who do play.
0: Yeah, and you, you talk specifically about that player networking. That's something that, uh, you know, when we think about Joel and Embiid, the potential of him playing in the Olympics, uh, and the potential at that kind of relationship building, uh, you know, that's something that you can kind of carry back to if you're trying to come up with reasons why you would want Joel to play in the Olympics, whether it's for, uh, I mean, the three options seem, you know, pretty clear as far as uh, Cameroon, France, or the U.S., right? Uh, so looking at that and thinking, because the conversations happened, you know, plenty of times where so it's, you know, what more can Joel do to uh, effectively recruit another star to Philadelphia? And with this uh, grand plan in place for free, free agency heading into 2024, uh, you know, how, how will that apply or, or not even just free agency, but the offseason of 2024, because the potential to acquire, uh, a max level player through a trade is still prevalent, obviously. How does this necessarily apply? Um, that's that's something that I think I think it's good for players to build these relationships. Contrary to what Giannis attended Kumpo recently said uh, about how he prefers to not build relationships with other players so he can keep that intensity level against them, uh, I, I do think it is good to build those relationships because you you never really know where your next teammate's gonna come from. Uh, and you you want to make sure you don't do anything damaging long term. Uh, I I feel as regrettable as it may feel sometimes. You know the the days of you know the the Kevin Garnett's, the uh, Larry Bird, and Dr. J's like that. That seems to have passed, and it's it's kind of uh, people look fondly back on it, obviously, and and I can't blame them for that. I mean that intensity drives competition, but uh you know what else drives competition is having more competitive players on your team and in a, a league where now players change team more frequently than ever uh, I think it is a value for players to to establish those connections does it have to be through the Olympics does it have to be through FIBA basketball no it doesn't but that's just another outlet for them to do so uh, and then you can of course talk about things such as national pride or uh, e- even legacy, you know, we look at what the dream team was able to accomplish and uh, how winning in the Olympics has added to the the legacy of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Um, uh, you know, LeBron James has, has had his own Olympic success as well. So, uh, you can make that argument of trying to grow your legacy as a player by being victorious. I mean, Monte Ginobili is forever a hero for a lot of different reasons, but. Uh, but but that victory, uh, that upset win, that gold medal—I mean, obviously—is huge. Uh, so you know, when you, when you look at at things such as that, like there's there are reasons I feel to to want to play in the Olympics. And uh, you know, as a guy who uh, I, I enjoy watching both the U.S. and you know Italy, where my uh, family from years back, you know, hails from it's just it's fun you know it's just it's fun it's enjoyable and i think for a lot of the players it's an opportunity to to have fun to build connections and to h- allow iron to sharpen iron because you're playing not only against some of the best players across the world but on top of that you're playing against them in what is honestly a more competitive atmosphere than an nba regular season game so Uh, To have that opportunity, I do think is huge as well. So bringing it back to Sixers focus, back to Joel Embiid. We talked about Cameroon. We talked about France. We talked about the U.S. Uh, Recently, it uh, has been stated that the U.S. has done some recruiting for Joel Embiid. Uh, He has uh, United States citizenship, French citizenship uh, as well. Obviously, he's from Cameroon. So if he were to join an Olympic roster going forward, Do you have a preference of any of those three landing spots where you would like to see Joel? And that could be for whatever reason. Whether it's, you know, linking up with another player, rubbing shoulders, and maybe they come to Philadelphia, whether it's you think it's the best for his legacy, whatever it is. Where would you like to see Joel if he joins an Olympic
1: team? So I've thought about this and my original take is I really don't care. (laughs) And and that's because Joel hasn't played in an international competition since he's been in the league. There's already worry about injury history and stuff like that. And you'd rather not, you know, you rather him not play. So like I could really care less because I feel like he wouldn't play anyway. Right. But, you know, process of elimination. Don't think it would be Cameroon. Um just because they're well I
0: should just... I should clarify first um, you know the the reason why Cameroon is is not a um, a top option although it is a fun option is that uh, at least as of yet they've not even qualified for the right I, that's
1: what I was going to say so yeah so they, they won't even they wouldn't even qualify I don't think they've qualified in the Africa region like you know in that so that wouldn't be anything I would say France, I feel like there was definitely a possibility, like a strong possibility. And I feel like Patoum and Fournier and like some of those other guys were really pushing for it. And then big, stupid Rudy Gobert went and opened his mouth and said something like, oh, yeah, you know, he can play, but he has just understand he's one of the guys when he comes and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, bro, you're saying that because, you know, if he was to come play for France, you would be on the bench. And you will be the guy who's seeing less minutes and stuff like that. And I just think that Rudy Gobert just kind of let some ego get in the way. Joel is somebody who I feel like pays attention and hears all. So then that leaves me with the U.S. Then again, Joel has had his issues playing with other stars on his own team. So... And what, what what are those issues? I mean, we can talk about it, you know, maybe he wasn't as close with Ben or the games didn't work together. And you talk about with Harden, it worked for the most part. You'd like Jimmy, him and Jimmy got along, but Jimmy, so it's like he's had his own problem keeping his own stars on the team. But I do think that wanting to give him a chance to rub shoulders with other guys for maybe down the line. Also, if he committed, you know, maybe because it's after, I think, the camp would start after or it would start after possible NBA finals. So, And they said that the runway to the Olympics would be much longer than they did from FIBA. They would like go on like a crazy tour. So, I mean, it could happen during free agency. And if Joel committed and is already practicing, he could kind of maybe convince guys if they wanted to leave or whatever the case may be. So I do think there's, there's a chance for that. And I do think it would add to his legacy as well So I already got an MVP, scoring champ twice, um, and who's to say he's going to the NBA championship? We hope he does. But getting a gold medal, I feel like would kind of help cement him as one of the best big men, big men of all time. So you know, and then it would be cool to see somebody actually get a rebound for the U.S. You know, there's in FIBA there's no rebounds. Paulo Benkerel was our best. Yeah, week. not
0: not not for the U.S. team anyway. But uh, right. so <laughs> it's they, tough I think to watch. they were out.
1: I think they were second chance points throughout the tournament was like sixty two to like twenty something, or nice. sixty seven to like twenty something, and second yeah. chance points. So it's like they definitely need. A, another big man and they just can't depend on because me and my friends went through a roster of big men who would quote unquote play for the United States. The list yeah. is very short and by very short, realistically bam is the best option. If there's yeah. no MB and then after bam, if you really look at it as Jared Allen and Nick Claxton. So I mean, where would, uh where would,
0: Carl Anthony Towns, uh, who would, he play? would he play with the Dominican, Dominican Republic yeah, or yeah. no? But would he choose a would he choose the U.S. over the Dominican Republic? I don't think so. And yeah. I think
1: I think it might be because did he already play? I, I can't remember, but I, I feel like there's not you can't switch back and forth. I feel like there may be like a one-time switch thing, mm. kind of how like soccer is. Um, yeah, I mean, know, I'll be honest,
0: I, I am not currently aware of that. So I, yeah, that that yeah, is something. I don't that think you can go back and out. forth.
1: But, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting to me. So, Joel would be by far the best player and option and wouldn't Mm. be – and not to say any of those other guys are bad, but he'd be good offensively and defensively uh, for the team. So, we'll see. We'll – you know, we probably won't hear anything until – I don't know. Maybe – you know when they start Grant hill starts talking about it and we get an official commitment from lebron yeah. and all his buddies
0: yeah i mean there's there's still a while away obviously um you know so far you know we 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 know who the early qualifiers are uh the teams who have won the pre qualifiers which includes cameroon but obviously have not fully qualified yet uh i mean for me personally i kind of would like to see him play for cameroon uh, and, and if you are able to um, get a situation where you see Siakam and Embiid together, you know, leading Cameroon uh, in an effort in the Olympic Games, I mean, I think that would be, I mean, possible potential future six year Pascal Siakam, excuse me. Uh, so it, you know, if we see that, you know, I, I think that would definitely be uh, quite the watch. But uh, I guess if, if I'm even ranking it, you know, probably Cameroon would be the the first option because again i think that'd be the most interesting uh but that being said him kind of working with the u.s i also find extremely it's, it's, it's second but it's not far back uh so to see him kind of play in a, a bit of a i don't want to say like a reserve role but more so a, a secondary a complementary role i would love to see you know obviously we saw joel over the years as he's grown as a player uh he has played that role at times and and he he didn't even frequently with uh, Jimmy Butler on the team. uh, And we were able to see much more of a defensively focused Joel, uh, Joel who is just a rebounding machine. And so uh, if we're – I wouldn't mind even going forward. I mean, obviously the Sixers are going to need him to score in bunches if they're going to have any chance just given the rest of the talent on the team. However, uh, if Nick Nurse can find a way to alter the game, unlock it a little bit, so not only is he – an even more adept playmaker, which we know is a focus uh, of the team going forward. But that we get that defensive engagement again, that we get that uh, to a degree rebounding engagement. You know, we don't necessarily want him diving for every loose ball just for for health reasons. You know, ideally, we would make some moves around the margins of the roster so we have guys who uh, can do that for Joel. But if we can get that kind of more well rounded game out of Embiid. I think that that bodes very well for the team's chances at finally winning an NBA championship the first in over 40 years. Uh, so I I would love to see him play for the US for that reason because we kind of get to see him play like that. And on top of that, yeah, it's not bad to see him kind of rub shoulders with guys and see, you know kind of what what falls as it may. Again, it's still a long while away. Um, so by the time that the games actually play, the Sixers will have spent their free agency money, but obviously there's a lot that goes into it leading up uh, to those Olympic games. So there's a lot of opportunity to make those relationships beforehand. And France, I'm not mad at him playing for France, you know, and you, you have him next to Weminyama, obviously. And I think, like you said, Gobert's on the bench at that point. Uh, it, it is an interesting thought. Evan Fournier probably still playing for them. Uh, and and it's, it's not a – uh, it's not a bad team. It's not a team that I wouldn't want to root for. Uh It's just, uh, it's not quite as interesting to me as the other two options though. Uh, I, me personally, I would like to see him be playing the Olympics to keep his body in game shape throughout the off season. Not that he's not w- constantly working, you know, his ass off during the, during the off season, but uh, just playing live basketball is different than, than any other form uh, of exercise or off season workout routine. So uh, personally, I'd love to see it. It remains to be seen if he has any interest in it. You know, So far, he's been non-committal, but there's still plenty of time for a decision to be made. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening with that. But right now, we're not really focused on Joel Embiid training for the Olympics. We're more so focused on Joel and the Sixers training for the upcoming season. And so with that said, training camp is just right around the corner. We found out that they're actually heading out to Colorado state university in Fort Collins to spend their entire training camp. I think it's like three days. Uh, So they're going to be spending out Fort Collins. Uh, What is very interesting right off the cuff is just that, uh, well, they're in Denver uh, practicing in that higher elevation, practicing in the land of the reigning NBA champions, the Denver nuggets uh, so, Justin, you know, what do you think this location-specific uh, training camp is, is going to do for the Sixers, or what are you expecting to see during training camp?
1: I just think that this adds to the lore of Nick Nurse and practices and training camps or quote-unquote a madman. So I just think this is just adding to that by doing the whole, are we really going to get you on in shape? We're going to have the high-altitude um and we're going to work, we're going to run, we're going to track, we're going to do all this crazy stuff and we're going to really start to get you on some some game shape early and I think that just adds to it. I mean, probably training already is would be crazy with Nick Nurse, but adding the altitude is going to really push them physically and mentally. Um so, I mean, I think absolutely it's it's something. I mean, I know, you know, people you know, talk about going to Denver and just like walking and grieving much harder and having, you know, kind of like headache because the air and stuff like that. So like can only imagine like, you know, we talk about like teams playing sports there and stuff like that. Like, you know, Racer Ricky Sanchez, they always have a joke saying it's like uh, it should be illegal to have a team in Denver because the altitude is like a, an advantage because, um, you know, the players don't live there. So, I just think that, you know, being in Colorado, I think that it's going to, you know, push this team mentally and physically. And I feel like that's the type of coach that Nick Nurse is going to be. I think he's going to try to push these guys to the physical limit. They've had the – I think they've had the coddler and Brett Brown. I think they've had the um, players coach in, like, old school way and – i love the way room. you
0: approach saying player's coach because because it's not quite a player's coach it's like it kind of is he kind of says he is isn't mm. really a player's coach i mean ask james harden if he's a player's coach let's see what he has to say about right now.
1: so you know what i mean so then now you got the supposed tactician and yeah monster madman so probably gonna try to push him to the depths because that's what you need to you know, get to the mountain time. I mean, you know, yeah. and again, I'm I'm no NBA player at all. But I remember when I was playing football in high school and in college and they talk about like sprints at the end and it's like you always yell in fourth quarter because it's like although you're tired now, this is the mental thing you have to have when it comes to those moments. Yeah. So I can only imagine being the – Real athlete, professionally, and going through that in altitude, so it's probably going to push them to to their, to their mental peak and overall help them.
0: It's gonna suck. Like I, I I'm not gonna lie. Like I am not jealous. I mean, and I, obviously I'm not an NBA player either, but I'm not at all jealous uh, of those Nick Nurse practices in Denver at that altitude. You know, uh, I do think that it's definitely going to be the hardest the Sixers have worked in practice in some time, uh, especially just because there's going to be less uh, less time golfing, more time focusing on basketball. So I think that's going to help a little bit. Uh, I, I think that it's a, a smart idea to, to prep for that elevation. You can't – you're right. It is it is a, a, an advantage that one team will have more than any other team in the league. There's not a whole lot you can do to combat that. However, if you get some monochrome of preparation – So they will have not only these three days, but of course, the day that they also go to Denver to play the Nuggets. uh, That is more than they would have if they just played the Nuggets once. So by having that opportunity, if for some reason the Sixers were to make it to the finals, if they were to face the Denver Nuggets, which at this point they are the favorite coming out of the West, having just won uh, the NBA Finals. Yeah. It makes sense to, to play, to beat you know, to, to prepare to beat the best. So uh, I think the decision is fantastic. The only question that I still have, and I want to get your thoughts on this. uh, What is the likelihood of James Harden participating in this camp?
1: Zero to none. Like, I don't think he's showing up at all. And if he does show up, it's gonna be after they have to play uh training the to of the Denver. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, I mean it doesn't exactly and and this is you can also see the same thing about the Nick Nurse hire uh and I, I did when they hired Nick nurse, it doesn't exactly scream James Harden, uh, when, when you think about this training camp, and uh not that James Harden I think it's a misnomer to say that James Harden doesn't work hard. Of course he does. You know, he's, he's one of the greatest NBA players of all time. Uh, he is probably a top 10 offensive player of all time, if not higher. Uh, so when you look at his entire career, it's not that he doesn't work hard. It's that he works on his terms, basically. So uh, do I envision him? having a great time, especially given the recent circumstances in Philadelphia and just kind of kumbaya with the rest of the team in a training camp. I, no, I don't, I don't see that happening. Do I think that there's going to be one or two stories that breaks during training camp or around training camp around James Harden, and his relationship with the team? Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the case. So, uh, you know, whether that is an opportunity for chips to kind of fall a little bit closer towards a, re- a resolution, to this uh, James Harden issue or whatever that may be. Uh, I think it is going to be interesting is the word that I will use. So it's, it's something that Sixers fans are going to want to pay, you know, some, some attention to, especially you know still uh, you know, in, in the off season uh, they're going to be heading over uh, media days, October 2nd, uh, the third through the fifth, they're going to be in Colorado. So uh, a, a little light October, uh news potentially for, for the sixers and uh for their fans so it'll be an interesting week we'll say uh as it pertains to information i'm sure and, and it's possible James Harden's traded beforehand it's likely I think that he is still here after training camp so what exactly that's gonna look like is uh it's 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 gonna suck it's just like a uh, practice with Nick Nurse but it is what it is it's the situation the team finds itself and you know, Daryl Morey, this organization, uh, Joel Embiid, who's been a part of a lot of the decision making lately. They're going to do what they can to put this team in the best position to win. You know, that's that's the focus is winning. The focus is not uh, appeasing anyone who is disgruntled. Uh, the, the focus is not even maximizing this year. The focus is maximizing the window. And that's kind of what the uh, the thought process has been the entire time. Although mismanaged at times, we can say uh, it is still the idea going forward. So uh, we'll see. But for uh, for Philly Sports Network, for the still processing podcast, you know we we're still processing, guys. You know it's uh it's it's gonna be a long rest of the off season, even though we're only three weeks away uh, from from media day and from training camp. So it's uh like I said, nothing's gonna come easy. It's it's gonna kind of suck from here on. But hopefully there is a brighter horizon moving forward. Justin, any any other thoughts that you had before we before we wrap up today?
1: No, my um, I'm still looking at my Sixers calendar and marking an X on every day that James Harden is still a Sixer. So I'll continue to yeah. do that until he's not anymore. You're gonna you're
0: gonna run out of ink, my friend. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, from Philly Sports Network, from the still processing pod, and you know, we want to thank you all for for listening for joining us today uh and listen just like you guys we are still processing